0: from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: Indianapolis shocked the Shield with one of the most bizarre moves in the history of that league. And no, I'm not talking about the firing of Frank Reich. That was inevitable. Inevitable. Everybody saw that coming, including Reich himself. And given how horrible they were on the field and what we now know was going on behind the scenes... Frank Wright getting whacked, that was probably one of the better days of his entire football life. So, no, when I say that one of the most shocking things you're ever going to see happened, I'm not talking about him getting fired. I'm talking about the naming of Jeff Saturday as his interim replacement, a.k.a. pulling a dude with zero NFL coaching experience and zero Zero collegiate coaching coaching experience. I'm not even saying head coaching experience. Zero NFL coaching experience. Zero collegiate coaching experience. And they pulled this guy right off the set in Bristol where he had been screaming hot takes and trying to get people to look at him like the rest of them. And they're going to drop this guy right on the sideline. In other words, Jim say hired Jeff Saturday out of nowhere to throw him straight into the fire Sunday. And if it's anything other than a genius tank maneuver in an attempt to pull another Pinky or Andrew Luck out of the draft, then it is bizarre. In fact, beyond bizarre. It's insane. I mean, it's unprecedented. It's all Jim Ursay. And leave it up to Ursay to call a presser to make one of the wackier things that has ever happened look even wackier than that. Like, if you thought the private jet antics were wild, not private jet. wait until you hear what he did last night. And yes, I did say last night. As in during Monday Night Football. He made one of the most bat bleep moves we've ever seen yesterday, and then he called a prime time presser. Like what? In an attempt to dump that news? Try to hide that behind the Monday Night Football broadcast? Like you were just going to kind of slide that in and nobody would know? The problem with that decision was the plan ended up upstaging the game itself. Completely upstaging the football game that he thought that he was going to hide behind. Because if you thought the decision to hire Saturday seemed a little unhinged, You have got to hear some of the things that Ursay tried or said in order to explain why he did what he did. Now, we knew this dude was slightly out there. Come to find out, my man is so far gone, there is no coming back. The first thing he wanted to make clear is that the standard in Indy is the standard and it's high and that Frank Reich failed to meet that standard. Unfortunately, Ursay tried to make that clear in the least clear way imaginable.
0: Expectations are high here. Look, we're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's
1: rare air. Uh Uh Uh-oh! Quote, we're in the upper quartile of winners... We're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. In the upper
0: quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile.
1: And that's what? Rare air? Rare air. My man. That's rare air. Never mind that, frankly, you had nothing to do with that. Frankly, it had everything to do with you lucking into... Drafting Pinky and drafting the nerd. That's why you were in the upper quartile of the upper quartile of the upper quartile. In the upper
0: quartile of winners, were in the top quartile of that upper quartile. <laughs>
1: what? That is incredible. And it's rare air. I don't know, my man. I think the only rare air is whatever the hell he's smoking. Nothing like trying to calm your fan base by making insane decisions and then coming out and rambling on like a person who has completely lost their mind and rambling on incoherently about these wacky decisions. And that was just the beginning of this mind-numbing rambling. Next, he compared his interim coach with zero NFL coaching experience to, wait for it, Don Shula.
0: You want to bet against this guy? Put your money down, people. <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. You know, because I, I I know what what he's about, and and so does Chris. And and uh, yes, there's a maturation curve. Shula was 32 years old. He had three nondescript years with the Detroit Lions before he took over the reins in 1963. No, the game is not different. We don't build rockets to go to Mars. We're not nuclear scientists. That is none of our jobs here. It's a very simple jobs that we do here.
1: Oh, man, I don't give a damn about them playing football. I would pay good money to hear that guy just go on for three hours every single Sunday about anything he wants. How about him just challenging everybody? Oh, you want to bet against this guy? Oh, I'll take that bet. I'll take all your bets. This guy is incredible. Listen to this. You want to bet against this guy? Put your money down, people. <laughs> love to see it. We love to see it. Like, you like know, this dude knows something I, nobody I know else what knows. What love to see it. Bring it, Bring it on. Bring it on. It on. Yeah. You want to bet against this guy? Actually, yes, Jim. I would love to bet against this guy, especially coming off the weekend where I got my ass kicked and lost every bet. Are you challenging me to bet against a guy who has never coached in the NFL or on the collegiate (laughs) level? I'd love to see. And you're laughing in my face about that. (laughs) Oh, I'll take that bet, Jimmy. It's like, nothing against Jeff Saturday, it's not his fault. He got hired. It's not his fault he's never coached in the NFL. It's not his fault that he's never coached on the collegiate level. It's not his fault that he's a high school coach or was. It's not his fault that they pulled him out of Bristol where he was yelling hot takes. But for Ursa to come out here and say, hey, man, you want to bet against this guy? (laughs) Like, if you're finding all this hard to follow, you're not the only one. In fact, nobody can follow any of this. The hell is he doing dropping Don Shula's name in relation to hiring a former high school coach with no NFL head coaching experience or any NFL coaching experience or collegiate coaching experience to coach his NFL team. Unless he's talking about one of Shula's steakhouses, he has got to keep Shula's name out his mouth. And how about all that verbal diarrhea about building rockets and going to Mars Building rockets? The hell is
0: that all about, Neil Armstrong? We don't build rockets to go to Mars. We're not nuclear
1: scientists.
0: Get your ass to Mars.
1: What does building rockets and going to Mars have anything to do with anything? Again, (laughs) the hell is this guy even saying or laughing about? So he goes out of his way to basically say the Colts aren't NASA. But then he turns around about two and a half minutes later and said his franchise operates like the CIA. You got that, people. They're not NASA, but they are the CIA.
0: You operate like the CIA. It's very analytical. It's very unemotional. It's very methodical. I wanted a winning coach, a winning playoff coach, a winning coach that was proven to come in with our franchise. Now, I'm glad he doesn't have an NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's Because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that.
1: I mean, can I use the S word here? Holy-ish. I, I want a guy with experience. I want a guy who's been in the NFL and who has experience. You know, I don't want a guy with experience. Holy crap, how many times... Can you contradict yourself in one clip? Eric in Orlando is in absolute awe of what Ursay just did. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on a, on a boat.
0: You operate like the CIA. It's very analytical, it's very unemotional, it's very methodical. I wanted a winning coach, a winning playoff coach, a winning coach that was proven to come in with our franchise. Now, I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. they go to analytics and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. <laughs> what
1: He does he have a boat? Does he fish on a boat? Like at the fish. start of the clip. Okay, Matt. Uh, okay. NFL. Ursae says he operates, quote, like the CIA, very analytical, and that he wants, quote, a winning coach that was proven. But then in the very same clip, that very same thought, he attacks analytics and says, quote, he's glad Saturday doesn't have any NFL experience. No. I mean, I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I thought you wanted somebody who's won on that level before and has I experience.
0: a winning coach coach a winning playoff coach a winning coach that was proven
1: but one that doesn't have any nfl experience now i'm glad he
0: doesn't have any nfl experience
1: did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 23 seconds smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency Having enough first alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the best things that you can do for your home and your family. So install alarms on every single level and in every bedroom of your home. Once the alarms are installed, it's then important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. And remember, alarms do not last forever and they need to be replaced. Also, please remember, alarms don't last forever and they need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you cannot remember the last time you replaced your alarm, it is best to replace the unit completely. For a replacement option, my favorite is First Alert's 10-Year Sealed Battery Alarms. 10-Year Sealed Battery Alarms are convenient, and they eliminate the need for battery replacements for an entire decade. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, go to firstalert.com slash firepreventionmonth. Uh, All right, so never mind that the dude literally contradicted himself within 10 seconds in the same sentence or same graph. It's the strangest hire ever in the NFL, but that right there, it's actually not funny. Well, yes, it is. It's actually hilarious. But it might very well be the worst take, the worst take ever in the NFL. Take being, I want an NFL head coach that doesn't have any NFL coaching experience. That's what I want. And not even like taking some flyer on some collegiate legend. Legend. You know, Nick Saban. I want an NFL head coach that does not have a shred of NFL coaching experience. Find me a worse take than that and I'll wait. Normally I would say make that make sense, but there's nobody on the planet that can make any of this make sense. Not the decision to hire Jeff Saturday straight out of Bristol, and definitely not any of this word salad that Jim Irsay laid on us last night by explaining why he did what he did. And by the way, by the way, if anybody is wondering about the Rooney rule, Ursay wanted to be very clear on that too. And of course, he kind of contradicted himself on that topic as well. Yes, it's an interim head
0: coaching job. It lines up with the Rooney Rule um, uh, at the end of the season. Um, uh, there will be a, a, a full process of um, reviewing um, permanent head coach, uh, which we will um, have an interview process uh, for and go from there. Um, you know, this is for eight games, hopefully more.
1: All right, so that the key phrase, hopefully more. Did you catch that at the very end? Now, he is right about one thing. The hire is not in breach of the Rooney rule because it's only an interim hire. That rule does not apply to interim hires. However, he said it. Hopefully, it's beyond the last eight games, which means if he believes that, if that's what he wants, that means he's hoping to circumvent the Rooney rule, and he hopes that he found a loophole, and he's not even trying to hide it. He's out here in broad daylight saying it.
0: You know, this is for eight games, hopefully more.
1: Hopefully more. Because then you can just give the guy the job. And if that's the guy you wanted all along, then you did circumvent the Rooney rule. If we are to believe what he's saying. And if you think that pissed off a lot of minority candidates and non-minority candidates alike, you would be right. Because he actually had the audacity at one point to say there were no other candidates. He said that, which might have been the richest thing of all. Given his criteria, you don't need any NFL coaching experience, you don't need any collegiate coaching experience, and you can coach a couple years of high school ball. Given that criteria, I'm guessing there were probably I don't know, 100 million other candidates. And I know a handful on his own staff right now that would be much better, including two former NFL head coaches that would be better, including one John Fox. Speaking of which, it does beg the question, what did John Fox say? when you told him he was not going to be named the interim head coach.
0: Ring, 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 ring. My train is orange, so beautiful, like the sun up in the skies. So when you meet a friendly horse, it would be Elway, but of course, Manning leading to the prize. Leaving Raiders fans to cry. What did John Fox say?
1: What did John Fox say? An incredible... Oh, there's more. Again, why we ever ran that, I have no idea. An incredible song. I mean, damn, Jim. How do you not let John Fox be your guy? So I can reset that more often. I mean, here's the thing. I expect a little, a little wackiness out of Jim Merce. A little wackiness. I mean, if you didn't get that, that'd be surprising. But the last 24 hours have not been a little crazy. They have been bat bleep crazy. (laughs)
0: Like
1: I said, this dude could not have been any luckier to have ended up with Pinky and the nerd under center. And if this is an attempt to take another franchise quarterback and to go into the tank, then I see you working. But if you think this is a move designed to win and that Saturday is your long-term option, have fun with that, Colts fans, because I know the rest of us will. In the upper quartile of
0: winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. Like he's acting like he had
1: anything to do with them being in the upper quartile of the upper quartile. (laughs) Actually, it's pretty much... Peyton Manning, who was in the upper quartile of the upper quartile, and then Andrew Luck after him. We did some pretty good coaching.
0: We're not nuclear scientists. That is none of our
1: jobs here. But we are the CIA. I really want to know what the hell would John Fox say. And Gus Bradley. Can anybody write a song about what would Gus Bradley say? Too bad. That would have been so great if Fox got that job. Then we could have played that every single week. Anyway, wild, wild, wild presser. Wild last several weeks for Jim Irsay. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help you regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app and see terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Dean is my guest. Nekobi, it's good to have you on. How are you?
2: Hey, I'm well. I'm well.
1: Good, hey, you're good. I'm doing great here. So, let me ask you. Yeah, I haven't been there that long. You're just a rookie, but what's it been like living and working in the city of Philadelphia, especially this year?
2: Oh, yeah. It's been different. It's definitely been different. You know, it, uh, it starts off with me coming from the South and living in the South my whole life, now I have to move up North, you know, um, and live in the city. It's it definitely been different, but as far as living in Philly, it's been great. You know, uh, the Phillies were, were, were rolling. They made it to the World Series, so...
1: The city was was it, it vibing. N'Kobe Dean joining us, no doubt about that. It's a great time to be there. As disappointing as that was, I mean, just to get caught up in that vibe and that energy. Now, you won a national championship last year. You're a member of the last remaining unbeaten team in the NFL. You know as well as anybody what it's like to have a target on your back. What's it like having that bullseye knowing you're going to get everybody's best shot every single time you step on the field?
2: Yeah, that, that's what we want. We want everybody's best shot. 'Cause we we we're gonna give everybody our best shot, you know. Um, and coming from Georgia it's kinda like we don't look at it like a target our back. We not the uh, we not the hunter, we are the hunters. So it's like we go into every week that mindset, like we we go on we going for everybody, they not coming for us. Uh so we just continue to go uh treat every week one by uh, one by one, trying to be one and on each week, and then I feel like we just continue to keep on rolling.
1: Kobe Dean's joining us. You know, speaking of Georgia, what are your thoughts? The Bulldogs, I mean, Mm -hmm. you got five guys on defense going the first round, eight guys overall, and it seems like they have not missed a beat at all. How Mm -hmm. do you lose that kind of talent yet continue to play at that high of a level?
2: It just speaks to the the, the kind of staff they got at Georgia, you know, from the strength and conditioning to the training staff to the coaches. uh, With with developing those guys getting ready, I know when I was there, he was heavily developed. Um, they got us ready for every single instance we can go in, go through in um, in the football game. So uh, it's it not only going to prepare them for college football at the highest level, but for the for the NFL, if God, if, you know, God willing, or um, or life period, just going through adversity and uh, just facing challenges.
1: You know, I'm gonna talk to you about that. Some things off the field as well. One more thought about. Uh, the SEC, Georgia, Alabama. I know you're focused on what you have in front of you, but Bama did get beat again this past weekend. Ultimately, they may be on the outside looking in this year. Do you see any slippage with the tide? And have the dogs officially gone by them now?
2: Uh, I mean, for me, myself, and I, I always felt like the dogs were uh, dogs on top. You know, I'll probably be a little biased, but I always felt like that. But I, I never, uh, while I was at Georgia, I was never comparing ourselves to them, we were just trying to be the best team uh, we could possibly be in the nation.
1: N'Cobie Dean joining us. All right, so what's your transition to the NFL been like for you personally? How would you describe your rookie season thus far?
2: Uh, transition's been smooth, uh, relatively. You know, uh, uh, as far as learning, I'm, I'm learning, learning a lot, uh, a lot on the field, a lot off the field. Uh, I feel like one of the biggest things that I really didn't know about, that I kind of knew about, but really didn't know, you know, the real effect was like taxes when you get paid, and then that kind of, you know, threw me for a loop. So uh, just look, just a little things like that, and I'm continuing to mature and learn how to just be in a dormant of my own.
1: Dude, that's really interesting what you just said. So would you say it's kind of more challenging, the learning curve and everything else? Is it more challenging off the field or on the field?
2: Uh, it's definitely off the field for me. Um so to speak, you know, on the field, you know, football is football. The best thing you can do with football is get reps, get the experience, get on the field. Uh, But, you know, as far as learning, I stayed on campus all three years, so it wasn't like I had to pay uh, rent every month. So I had to pay rent, I'm I'm actually getting, like, steady paycheck, things like that. I feel like my biggest transition has been off the field things, uh, let alone on the field.
1: All right, so – I have used antiperspirant sticks for years, but what is amazing about Dove Men Dry Spray is that it feels light and clean on your skin, and it's also quick and easy to use, and it's great for topping up when you're on the go. Now, let me ask you this. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48. I said 4 8. 48 hours sweat and odor protection. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it is so quick and easy to use, especially when you're on the go. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect it. Win win win. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel all day. N'Kobe Dean's joining us. You know, it's really interesting. Your parents, and they both had a military background. Your father was Mm -hmm. a doctor. They would tell you growing up, your mind is going to take you further than your feet. feet. Right, I love that. So how did they feel about it when you were an athlete, when you were young? And back then, when you were young, what did you ultimately think you would do when you grew up?
2: Well, growing up, it was my mother always kind of pushed education. My whole family pushed education. I've never had any um, collegiate athletes in my family, so it was like education, education, education. Then kind of like I got the I got the high school and I got my first offer, and it was like wait, they they'll pay for your school uh, free free scholarship, you know. So it was like when that happened, it's kind of like okay, still education, but it wasn't until I got to like probably tenth grade where it was like okay, I can really uh, take this far because before then, I was, anytime somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was either like an architect, a doctor, or an engineer. So it was like, those are kind of the things that I was kind of set on growing up.
1: It's really interesting. N'Kobe Dean joining us. So you're looking, obviously, to make an impact not only on the field, but also off the field. In fact, you're involved with the Oral and Student Health Impact Project mm-hmm. School Tour. Exactly, N'Kobe, what is that, and why is that a cause that's so important to you?
2: Yeah, it's just... Um It's just being able to get kids, you know, oral and uh, optical uh, care for free. They can't, like, uh, afford it and things like that. You know, it's it's important, Um, the oral and optical practices of the the youth. And, you know, uh, it helps empower them, you know, and it it, it definitely affects their learning and education uh, capabilities um, just because it kind of comes down to confidence, you know, getting them something left to worry about uh, about can, can they see, can they read, um how high company they are and they smile and things like that. So just being able to give back is just something that um is kind of was the thought of me when I was little. You know, with my parents, my mother, she always had uh us out. Um either picking up trash on the side of the street with because um, she kinda worked with uh community relations in Tumka County, so any any uh community service activity they had going, we would right along with them. So it kind of stemmed from that, and it it, it it continued to grow and continue to grow as I got through high school. Then I kept it going through college. So it kind of always been just want to give back, and uh, and it, it feels good that I'm able to be able to give back and empower the youth. You know, because I kind of see myself in them. Uh, me just being 21, it, was, it felt like what well, a decade ago I was in their shoes.
1: I was going to say good for you, and especially at that age. At just 21, you've got that perspective, and you're already that committed and that active. Good for you. Let me ask you, you won that national championship. You won the Buckus Mm -hmm. Award. You were projected as a first-round pick. Went later than that, but it is a different deal up here. Do you find yourself wanting to make even greater contributions and is waiting for the opportunities at times challenging, given all the success you had on the college level?
2: Oh, yeah, of course you want to you go out there. You want to play. You want to play against the best. You want to put your best on the field. But at the same time, I mean, we will We be on the field. And that's, that's the thing. I feel like when I came in to, uh, to the league, my main goal, one of my main goals is listen to thing I said was, like, I want to do whatever I got to do for the team to be the best they can possibly be. And, I mean, you can't complain about it if you winning. So, you got to keep it going, continue to take each week. Uh, one by one, uh, trying to be one and know each
1: week. All right, so what about the next one? Before I let you go, you've got the Commanders. It's a Monday night matchup, a divisional matchup. Mm-hmm. I understand keeping the main thing the main thing. You've got to do that. But Monday night is always special in that it's prime time. The nation is yep. watching. Your peers are watching. And in your case, you are undefeated. Are you and your teammates looking to not only go out there and handle your business, but to put on a show and show exactly who and what you are to everybody?
2: I mean, we try. we try to be... Uh, do what we do um, every every single week. And, you know, if doing what we do is putting on the show and showing everybody uh, how dominant we can be. Um, and then that's, that's, then that's what it is. We, you know, we just trying to be one and know and win. No matter how, how we do it, uh, we're just trying to continue to get better as the season goes on and not, you know, uh, peak out. So we're just trying to continue to climb and climb and climb and just get better and better as the season continues.
1: He's a linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles, played his college ball at Georgia, a national champion there, a Buckus Award winner, Philadelphia's 8-0, and they are playing on Monday night, Nicobe Dean, my guest. N'Kobi, great to have you on. Appreciate your time. Good luck. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Wild Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, tough beef in a bag? No one. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name, because no other jerky compares Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? It might have been upstaged by the wild presser last night, but there was a game last night. There was a game last night, and it was a primetime football game last night, and the Ravens' flock was ready to fly. Flock, let's fly. I'm sure that's not going to be the last time we hear of that guy. Anyway, I bet Lamar was leading the team through some high-knee drills on that flight home again last night because... Just like 11 days ago in Tampa, this game was all Ravens. And then once again, Justin Tucker was running smack from the team jet after the win.
3: Justin Tucker, you know, you're a man of the people... Um, Marlon last time you had me on here you, I, got, I got myself into a little trouble all right? you, you get the luck, so You're going to have me mess around And say something silly like Racks on racks smoking on that Saints pack But I don't want <laughs> to do that I don't want to get myself in trouble again So I'm, I'm Racks on racks Smoking that Saints
1: pack Racks on racks smoking on that Saints pack but... And running that Saints smack I mean, at this point, the Tucker airplane postgame is every bit as entertaining as anything that's happening on the field every week with the Ravens. In fact, Baltimore managed to make winning easy look kind of hard last night. I mean, no, the game was never close. And Lamar did go 12 for 22 for 133 yards. Not exactly a laser show. Then again, the dude was doing crazy things, as always, extending plays over and over again. And, you know, it's never a good thing when it looks like the quarterback wants to give the hands to his own offensive line right there on the field. In fact, I thought for a moment we might get some fists flying right there in the fourth quarter. And this time...
3: Delay a game. Offense. Five-yard penalty.
1: (laughs) Second down. And Lamar Jackson getting into it with... I think Ronnie Stanley after that. oh, I, I know he was. <laughs> I know he was. So on the one hand, it doesn't exactly give off winning vibes, even if this game was all Ravens. So the optics might not be great, and the vibes might seem bad, but the reality is things are pretty damn good for Baltimore, as banged up as they are, and they are banged up. They're 6-3. and three, They're in first in the AFC North. They're headed to a bye, which is coming at a really good time. And then their next four opponents are the Panthers, the Jags, the Broncos, the Steelers. And they need that buy. Sometimes the buy comes when you don't necessarily need it or want it because you're playing so well. Man, they need that buy. They are busted up and have been pretty much the entire season. In fact, we talk about it every single week on Jim Rums' Big Head Bets with the pro football doc, Dr. David Chow. Last night was no different. They didn't have Andrews. Bateman, Edwards, Dobbins. I mean, that would frustrate anybody, much less an all-world quarterback who seemingly has to do almost everything himself every single week. But let's see what they did have. In addition to Lamar, they had that ageless wonder Justin Houston. And this dude just keeps bawling the hell out. Impressive enough that Houston has eight and a half sacks already this season. But my dude's only played in five games. And last night was not just his best game of the year thus far. That was one of his best nights ever. He already had two and a half sacks when he basically stuck the dagger into Andy Dalton and New Orleans with this fourth quarter pick.
0: They get down there and they haven't been able to capitalize when they pay the opportunity. This one batted up in the air and picked off. What a
3: night by Justin Houston. Urban got his hands on it. And Urban comes away forcing the takeaway by Houston. His first pick. Justin Houston's had a lot of great games in his 12-year
0: career. They haven't been much better than this. No, this has been amazing.
1: It was amazing. Like, nobody knows better who or what that guy is than that guy. But even that guy had trouble explaining what was going on last night.
2: You know, things that's happening on the field. Like, I can't even explain. I don't even know what I'm doing some of these times. <laughs> Until, like, I come off the field and guys like, you like, you just did this, you just did that. And so I just think it's amazing how God working through me right now.
1: So essentially, Justin Houston went all X-Files on himself, like unexplained phenomena on the football field. I get it. Dude is 33 and playing like he's from another planet. Out of his mind. God, this guy was amazing last night. And then on the flip side, you have Andy Dalton, who has regressed and remembered that he's Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton looks exactly like Andy Dalton, which is about as far as you can get from extraterrestrial. Sex is undefeated, Father time is undefeated. and the red rifle being ass in prime time is undefeated. In fact, the red pea shooter is now 6 and 20 for his career in primetime games. Kirk Cousins can't believe that. That gives him the worst prime time winning percentage of any quarterback this century. To quote James Kelly, he's not just an ass, he's historical ass. Serial ass? Oh, serial too. No, I mean, he's literally the worst. And way more important than that, aside from the numbers and the numbers not lying, you know what's even worse about that? He's getting in the way of us getting to enjoy Jameis in prime time. I want to make this abundantly clear. Jameis was healthy last night. Jameis was dressed last night. Jameis was available last night. Jameis was holding a clipboard last night for some inexplicable reason. Reason being, I don't know, Dennis Allen made it so we had to sit through another Dalton disaster. You cannot tell me that Jameis would not give this team a better chance to eat a dub. All of us. And you definitely cannot tell me that he wouldn't be way more fun for everybody watching. Because this dude loves being a football player.
3: As a kid, my my passion was always football, right? But... Being taken away from the game, I didn't realize that my passion was playing football.
0: Right?
1: Boom! God, I love this guy. I mean, dude, the the passion, the enthusiasm, the energy. Did I mention passion? Does anybody love anything as much as he loves playing football? And let me stress this one more time. All of his body parts are perfectly healthy and symmetrical right now.
3: Our body is so symmetrical, right? You got, you got your wrists, you know, and then you, what are your wrists on the bottom
2: half? Your ankles, you know, you got your shoulders up top. What are your shoulders? Your, your hips, you know what I'm saying? You got your elbows. What are your elbows? Your knees, right? Like, so <laughs> uh, it's symmetrical and you just got to work different parts.
1: All right. So if he's healthy. And he's in love with the game. And he's perfectly symmetrical. How the hell do you keep him off the field? Especially when he's known for his preparation.
2: I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my my trainer, he told
3: me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared.
1: How do you keep that guy off the field? Listen, we all win when Jameis gets to play. And then we all win when he gets to speak directly into a microphone after the game. Hell, that's our Super Bowl. That's the very definition of win-win. And on top of that, he gives the Saints a chance of winning too. So please, Dennis, I've always liked you, my man. I still do. But do not subject us to any more of Andrew. J.J. Watt already spelled it out for us years ago. The Red Rifle looks like a Red rider BB gun in prime time. You told us before the game you wanted them in third, down,
2: and long, and that's exactly what you did. What impact did that have?
3: Yeah, I mean, our goal was to come out here and make uh, the Red Rifle look like a Red rider BB gun, and I think we did that. Wow.
1: Tonight. Wow is right. So... A quick perusal of the schedule, and what do we see? New Orleans is back on Monday Night Football in less than a month in Tampa. Let me repeat that to you. New Orleans is back on Monday Night Football in less than a month in Tampa, so no game has ever screamed Jameis more than that game. So let's get this figured out by then, Saints. In fact, let's get this figured out long before then. Because there's not a single person on this planet who wants to see the Red Ryder BB gun in that game. Or really in any game at this point. And as far as the Red Ryder BB gun, not exactly the strongest smack ever, grant you that. But do you remember how butthurt Andy Dalton got when reporters asked him about it? Disappointed in him to I mean for the integrity of this game There's a lot of a lot of kids and a lot of people that look up to him and for him to make comments like that they mean he's just showing that you know yeah, That's acceptable to, to, to do that kind of stuff and say that kind of stuff And so I mean it's disappointing for one of the best players in this league to come out and say something like that um, So you know that's all I'm gonna say about that I think JJ is a good player, but for him to be one of the best in this league and to show that integrity and to show that kind type of You know it shows what he's about which is which is disappointing Holy crap, bro, relax. He called you a BB gun. (laughs) You know what the more disappointing thing is? Somebody thinking that the integrity of the game has somehow been affected or compromised by some C-minus level smack. That the integrity and fabric of the game has been ripped apart because he called you a BB gun. The integrity of this game. Easy, Andy. Andy. Thin skin much. How about that? And little kids are looking up to this guy, and we can't have that. I used to respect him. I mean, what's next? Well, you know, Billy, little Billy used to get straight A's. Little Billy used to make his bed. Little Billy used to do all of his chores. Little Billy had the brightest future of anybody anywhere. Little Billy was the greatest little kid ever. But then he heard JJ call Andy Dalton a BB gun and then it all went upside down. Then little Billy started doing little piles of meth. Then little Billy started stealing cars. Then little Billy started to cut class and drink. Now little Billy is in... The not so little pen upstate, all because JJ called Andy a BB gun.
0: The red rifle looked like a Red rider
3: BB gun, and I think we did that. Wow. Tonight.
1: Thin skin, much? JJ went there. Wow. Can't unhear those things, eh, Andy? You no, know, it shows what he's about, which is which is disappointing. Shows what he's about. You hear me? One of the best players ever. Extremely charitable guy off the field. Shows what he's about. No, bro, it shows what you're about. Your reaction shows what you're about, dude. Now tell you what else you're about. You're standing in the way of us getting more Jameis. That's what you're about. Step aside, my man. I mean, let me tell you something. Who would you ever listen to or watch? Could Jameis' sound bites be any more different, man? My man is all exuberance. Pride, passion, courage, energy. There's nothing but it about him. Joey Logano is my guest. Joey, it's good to have you back. How are you?
3: I'm doing good. You've been stuck in your studio too long this morning because it stopped raining here just recently. The sun's out. Nice sunny California now.
1: Good, dude. So glad to hear it because I was going to ask you, Joey, what is more harrowing: running hard on the last lap to win a series championship? in that 422 driving in any other car on the 405 in los angeles when one drop of rain hits one windshield
3: <laughs> well i can't say i spend a whole bunch of time out here in la typically so i do know traffic is not really fun around here at all um but i'd say uh, i'd I'd much rather be in my race car, at least, than and be in that traffic jam where at least it's moving. Traffic's flowing a little better on the racetrack.
1: Oh, no, dude, trust me. You'd much rather be in your car on the track than you would on the 405 or on any freeway here in Southern California. We do not do well with the elements. All right, so you wrap up your second series championship this past weekend. Congrats. How are you feeling right now, and has it fully sunk in yet?
3: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm the type of person that lives in the moment, so uh, I've really enjoyed the the, the last, uh, you know, couple days now since um, we won the championship. And, um, you know, the, the, the best moment always is, and, and I'm sure most athletes would probably agree, is the immediate moment when you win, right? When you first see you know, your team, especially as a race car driver, you don't get to see your whole team for the whole race, right? You're in there on your own. And so when you see everybody, the picture of the road crew, everybody that's there, um, you know, everybody that, that puts so much into uh, winning races and championships, and then you see your family, uh, and that's where it all just kind of it just comes apart for me. Uh, it's a, it's a, such a special moment um, to celebrate together, and th- that's what it's all about, right? The, the first 15 minutes is is the best, and and so cherishing that that time is what it's all about.
1: Joy Logano joining us. I'm glad you mentioned that, Joy, that you said that most athletes would probably tell you this. I was going to ask you, most athletes, it seems to me. Frankly, and you know, they may not say it, but not every athlete wants the pressure that comes along with being on the biggest stage. You know, frankly, they're not at their best when stakes are highest. At the same time, I know other athletes are at their very best when the pressure is greatest. Do you feel like you and your team are able to dial up the performance when it matters most on the biggest days?
3: It, it sure seems like it. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, yeah, the pressure is real. Is it comfortable? No, it's not comfortable. Like, it's, it's, it's a lot. But it also brings, for for me personally, it brings the best out of me. Um, and and I love that. That's what playoffs are about in any sport. And when you put a, a championship race like this on there, yeah, the pressure's at an all-time high. And and I think that, that is something that goes through the whole team, though. It's not just me. Um, you know, I feel like the whole team really uh, rises to the occasion when it's game time like that. And, um, you know, I I always say attitudes are contagious, whether it's good or bad, uh, that that flows through the whole team. And, you know, we we went there with, you know, not trying to minimize the situation, right? There's so many people that say, it's just another race, right? It's just another game. It's just, you know, they try to minimize what it is. Well, no, the bottom line is you're racing for a championship is bigger than just another race. It's bigger than anything else we've done. So we need to treat it bigger than that. And uh, and for us, I think that's the right way of approaching it. Um, we, we don't make it smaller than what it is. And that's why when you win and you realize it's that big, uh, that moment becomes even larger.
1: Joey Logano is joining us. It's so interesting. Joey, for instance, like as driver for, okay, you're part of a team and you need that team, but you're the driver, so you have so much to concern yourself with. But I wonder, when you talk about attitudes being contagious, like it's a team effort, but do you approach it like you need to personally set the tone for the entire team that everybody else is going to take their cue from you?
3: Yeah, as a driver, I mean, if you want to compare it to a sport, in football, you know, it's, it's kind of like the quarterback. Right. The driver's like the quarterback, where you know he needs everyone else with him unless he can't do it. But you also got to have you know a good driver. You got to have a good quarterback for a, have a winning team as well. So you know it takes it takes an army uh, all the way through the whole season. You know, whether, not just the people on the team, but you think about the grind of the season. You know, we're we're on the road for thirty eight weekends. Um, you know, you think about your families are at home and, and and you know you're basically raising your kids you know as a single parent there for a while uh, during the season, and so you want to be able to deliver. Uh, you know, a championship to make it all worth it, right? And and all the way through, you know, whether it's just the the guys on the road or the the team guys uh, building the cars and your sponsors and everyone's involved, and it's in the thousands of people this impacts.
1: Talking to Joy Logano. So, Joy, you've got two now. You've got two. You're just 32. Do you feel pretty satisfied with where you're at and what you've accomplished? Or, frankly, is there a part of you that thinks, you know what, I should actually have even more than the two that I do have? Uh, That's exactly
3: how I think. I I am not uh, one of those people who say I'm satisfied with with much. I'm always the person looking for more. And and in ways I think that's a really good thing. In ways maybe someday it won't be. But I'm always looking for what's the next opportunity, what can we do better, um, how can we keep improving our team. And, yeah, I kind of had the mentality of, yeah, we have two. We should have four of them, though. Like I'm still frustrated about the ones we lost. Uh, as much as I'm celebrating the ones that we've won. So, um, yeah, it's special, and it's great to say we've won multiple championships, and there's only a select few teams that have really ever won multiple championships, and there's only 17 uh, drivers that have ever done it. So it is nice to put you in that elite group, but I, I just it just never feels like enough to me.
1: It's the truth, dude. Like, all the greats will tell you that. They don't think about the ones they won. They think about the ones that got away. I mean, that certainly is not the first time I've heard that. So let me ask you, though. You are on top right now. You are still 32, just 32. How much better can you individually get as a driver? And then how much better can the team get collectively? What's the ceiling?
3: Well, we have to keep getting better, right? Our, our competitors are always getting better. The world's always evolving, right? No matter if it's just business or, or sports, uh, things evolve. And you have to keep... Be, you know, being willing to learn and not being stuck in your ways uh, as things go along. And especially in this year with NASCAR and anything over the last few years, um, whether it's people dealing with, with COVID and how life changed through that uh, circumstances, how you have to be, you know, willing to change and not be stuck to your ways. But this year with the next-gen car in NASCAR, everything was completely different. And I, I can't believe how much I had to unlearn in the beginning of the year. All the habits that I formed with the old car – that was not working, and that was one of the biggest challenges, and and also what makes this year feel even more special that we were able to achieve the championship in the first year of the next-gen
1: car. Not only that, but the win means that Team Penske wins both the NASCAR Cup title and the IndyCar title in the same season for the first time in 31 tries. How special is it to share that history with a racing icon like Roger Penske, who really is a living legend at age 85?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Roger is... Uh, you said a living legend uh, in, in sports and business uh, and motorsports. Like, it is uh, it's his 43rd motorsports championship. You think about 43 championships he's won over over 50-something years of racing. And so uh, it's neat to have your name on that list with him. And, and he does it correctly. I, I think that's why he's been around so long, and people love uh, working for him. He, we always have a term called the Penske Way, right, if things are done a certain way. We look a certain way. We act a certain way. Um and he just wins, right? And that's the people you want to be around. I always say it. You can't fly like an eagle when you're working with a bunch of turkeys. And there is a bunch of eagles working over there and, and it really uh makes it special uh when we're able to be successful. So we're gonna enjoy the victory for sure. We'll enjoy the championship and we're gonna be ready for twenty twenty three.
1: I like it. In fact you got me to my last point. I was gonna say how long are you going to enjoy the victory and how long before you get back into the garage and start getting ready for next season?
3: Um, I would say we're, uh, we'll probably enjoy this for a little bit. Like you said, for, for our race teams, which is something we've never done before with the IndyCar Championship and the Cup Championship, uh, we'll probably have a few parties. I don't know what they are yet, um, but also the opportunity that comes along after you win a championship to impact your sport in a positive way, but also your race team uh, in a positive way, that growth. And, you know, you have a lot, a lot different when you say you're the current champion of a sport uh a lot of things can happen and so using that for for the right reasons and and making some real gains is, is what the, the goal needs to be right now
1: love that well said he is the 2022 nascar series cup champion and now a two-time champion he won sunday's championship for a race at phoenix raceway he is here in southern california he is joey logano joy congrats great to have you back on thanks so much all right
0: love being on your show.
1: Thanks. Good night! night.